Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello everybody. Welcome to a how am I going to call this? A mini two list episode and live podcast prep episode of Tuesday Night Jaw on the Distraction Pieces Network. I am Jim Smallman. I'm your host. I've just put baby Claudio to bed. Every now and again you might hear him squeaking from upstairs. I'm doing this early this week. Uh, this will probably be up by maybe nine o'clock on Monday night because um, I've got a wedding to go to this week and then gigs to do and then the live Tuesday Night Jaw on Saturday. So let's get that out of the way first. Um, plugs. First of all, Distraction Pieces Network. Check out everything on the network. It's all good. Owner, king, emperor of the Distraction Pieces Network is Mr. Scroobius Pip. He will be joining me and Glenn Joseph and Matt Richards and, I can announce it now, uh, the currently injured TK Cooper um, at the live Tuesday night jaw at King's Place in London this coming Saturday at noon. I know noon's early in the day. Um, but we're going to do a podcast at King's Place. Sold a fair few tickets for it so far. There's still tickets available if you want to come along. And we are going to come up with the Dream Wrestling card. Um, I'll get to that after I do my lists. Um, so please come along to that. Um, please, please, please come along to it. Uh, kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ Live. Kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ Live if you want to get tickets. If you can't remember that, jimsmorman.com slash TNJ, where you normally point people at this podcast, there's a link there for tickets as well. So jimsmorman.com slash TNJ, where you can also buy the wonderful uh, merch that I now have, the Cheer Faces Boo Heels t-shirts, which are proving very popular. People keep sending me pictures of them wearing them, and that makes my day. Uh, so they're in stock now. If you order one, you'll get one a couple of days later. So um, don't worry, it's not me sending them out. Uh, it's the brilliant people at Backstreet Merch. So jimsmorman.com slash TNJ for merch, live podcast tickets, and to point people at this here podcast. Now, a little bit of prep for you. What we're going to do on Saturday at noon um, is we're going to come up with the ideal wrestling card. Now, I'm aware this is going to be a tricky thing, and it's tricky doing um, doing a list episode in front of a live audience, especially when we've only got about an hour and a half, because the list episodes and the roundtable ones can often go on for ages. So how it's going to work is this. I'm going to come up with uh, six matches myself, um, and I'm going to debate them with our guests and with you guys in the audience. 
okay? Six matches of the, um, uh, what I think would make the ideal wrestling card, okay? Now, normally, I know what you're thinking. Seven matches is what's normally on a progress show. You would be correct. So, there's going to be another match on this, but this is kind of down to you. We're going to have a battle royal on this show. So, I want you to come prepared with a suggestion for someone to go in this battle royal. The reason being, the best thing every Royal Rumble every year is the surprise entrant that you're not expecting. Remember when... The, uh, when Bubba Ray Dudley was in it a few years ago and everyone lost their minds, that's what I'm talking about. So I want you to think of maybe one, two, three names that you can suggest to go in our battle royal. I'm going to try and get everyone in the audience to come up with a name. It's going to be a nightmare to do, but I'm going to try and come up with it super quick with a microphone. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to make it work. But obviously there's rules. You will, by the point we name everyone in the battle royal, you will know all the people in the six other matches on the card that myself and the panellists have discussed. So, on our perfect wrestling card, there'll be six absolutely perfect matches. So you can't choose anyone who's in those matches. It's like the old Royal Rumble rules from WWE back in the day, when if you were in a singles match, you weren't allowed in the Royal Rumble. That's basically what's happening. So, you've got to think of someone, and you obviously, if someone's already said the person you suggested, you can't suggest them, so you've got to have a few names floating around in your head. Make them as wacky as you want. The only proviso is this. They can be living or dead. It doesn't matter. They can be competing or retired. It doesn't matter. The only stipulation is they have to be a wrestler. You can't just name celebrities. Okay? No Drew Carey in this. Absolutely not. No Pete Rose. Absolutely not. You can't put any of us in it. We're not wrestlers. Um, TK, you can. Um, But that's what I want you to do is think of who you would put in. And at the minute, I think we've got over 100 people coming to the podcast. Hopefully, there'll be, you know, nearer 200 by the time we do the podcast on Saturday. Um, so, you know, please come along to it, especially if you come into the Alexandra Palace show that sold out on Sunday for progress. But yeah, um, think of someone you're going to suggest for the Ultimate Battle Royal. And we'll, we'll try and find a way of listing them all so we can tweet them all out later. Okay, so that's your homework. If you come in on Saturday, that's your homework. Don't tweet me suggestions for this. Absolutely not, because it's just a live podcast thing that we'll then put out when we when we put out the episode in a week or two's time. Okay, so just think, if you're coming to it, just think that's what you're going to do. And if now, that's you going, oh, do you know what, I'm definitely going to come to this now and hang out with Jim and Matt and Scroobius Pip and Glenn and TK, and we'll have a great time just having a laugh talking about wrestling. Awesome. But now I'm definitely going to come because I know I'm going to contribute to this. So once again, jimsmormon.com slash tnj, kingsplace.co.uk slash tnj live. Get yourself a ticket. Come along and support this podcast by coming along, which is awesome. But also, we'll have a laugh. It will be fun. And as soon as that's done, I think me and Glenn and Matt um, and TK have all got to go and do the Twitch preview for the Alexandra Palace show as well, which will be live on Twitch. So um, yeah, that's it. That's it, Claudio. I don't know if you can hear him. He's just knobbing on upstairs so there's your homework okay on stage we'll be discussing the perfect wrestling card of all time we're going to choose six matches i'm going to choose them we're going to discuss them with my colleagues debate them with you guys but then the finale we're going to come up with the ultimate ridiculous battle royal and there might be it might be like that ddt one there might well be 150 people in this battle royal i'm totally on board with that okay so just come armed with an obscure name you want to put in it You've got to pop other wrestling fans, and that's hard, okay? So you've got to pop other wrestling fans with these suggestions. So see what you can come up with. Right. 
That's this weekend. Love to see you all there. Last plug for it. kingsplace.co.uk slash tnjlive or jimsmormon.com slash tnj. Right. Now this week, I haven't got loads of time. So I said I'd do a couple of mini lists. Um, and I got you guys to suggest lists to me. Now some of these are not mini lists. So I'm going to store them up and do them later on in the year. What I did choose was the two um, the two... Uh, lists that got suggested to me the most. Okay, so I'm going to do two top 10 lists for you now. Um, as always, you want to get involved. I'm at Jim Smallman on Twitter. Use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw and send me your lists as well. Okay, because I'd love to see, I always love to see them. So I've got two lists that we're going to go through. Um, this is the one I'll do first. Okay, this came up, I think, the most out of anything, and it's the top 10 theme tunes. Now, I've had to put a proviso in for me. If you're doing yours and you're going to send a screenshot of it, use hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw to at Jim Smallman. That's fine. You don't need to observe this rule. I've excluded progress from this, um, partly because of copyright now. We've changed a lot of our theme tunes. And I don't necessarily want everyone to be reminded of the theme tunes that we can't really use anymore um, in my list. Because there's a lot of those theme tunes that, you know, I genuinely miss um, a couple of examples rampage browns uh, uh hate breed theme tune uh jimmy havoc's afi uh music which is the only um is certainly the only afi song i've ever liked um as he constantly threatens me with violence for um uh, and uh, and keep it 100 which is we can, still can use because the people involved in that have actually given us the permission to use it bless them um which tk cooper and dahlia black lose um but because i've got the progress excluded rule that's not in this top 10. Even though I played it to baby Claudio when I was feeding him food earlier on. And he was losing his mind with joy. So, here's my top 10 theme tunes of all time. Progress excluded. Get involved. Send me a screenshot. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Number 10 is someone else who likes having Metallica as a theme tune. And that's the Sandman in ECW. Who here, raise your hands. Who here had the ECW, music of ECW album that came out late 90s i had it where it didn't have the original versions of the music on it had smaller metal bands doing bigger metal bands theme tunes and it was just it was a little bit all over the place it's still a good album still got a fair listen to it out of it because let's be honest new metal ruled um but the sandman coming out to enter sandman is awesome apparently the sandman's got a progress hat People have sent me photos of, of the Sandman wearing a Progress trucker hat that apparently he found at a show and has been wearing ever since. Good on you, Sandman. You seem like a dude for doing that. Um, the Sandman's matches at the time, I enjoyed them. Like now, he, I've heard you've heard me speak about this before. Hardcore matches aren't really what I'm into, but little things like the Sandman's match with Cactus Jack, where it was a fans being the weapons. And Cactus Jack takes a solid iron skillet and hits him in the head and knocks him out legit. Like stories like that are, are, are crazy. And I know that the Sandman's a proper character and, and was involved in some great storylines in ECW. But him coming out to enter Sandman was awesome. Is that the reason that I enter the ring? To whom the bell tolls? It is not. Um, some of you may know this, but the reason I enter the ring to whom the bell tolls, I like Metallica. I am a fan of Metallica. But the reason I get into the ring to that is when my daughter was little that was their favorite song that's why um in the same way that people have asked me what i do with my hands when i get in the ring i, I kiss certain parts of my hands and i kiss the uh, the heart on my wedding finger for um for my wife 
Um, and I then kiss it another couple of times for my daughter and for my mum, and then I kiss the uh, the tattoos on my thumbs for my son. So it's superstition. I do it before every stand-up gig as well. But I have people in America who not seen me do it before going, what do you do when you get in the ring? And it's like, oh, it's superstition. I'm, I'm a very superstitious person. I have to do a lot of superstitious things, otherwise stuff goes wrong. Um, so, you know, that's 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 what I'm like. But yeah, the Sandman, number 10, enter Sandman. And that's a belt-in start. You've all got to agree. Number nine, current music. Uh, that's Kevin Owens' theme tune from WWE. I was either going to put this in or Finn Balor's um, because they both get stuck in my head for days and days and days and days and days. Um, and I think Kevin Owens just just shades it for me because I can listen to it without feeling the need to stand up whenever a certain thing happens. So, you know, just shades it for me. I think it suits his character as well. Like, if I played you that music and showed you pictures of four wrestlers, I think you'd pick Kevin Owens out as the person who has that music. Just, you know, might just be me that thinks that. But I think that's a great choice of music for a minute, and it really suits him. So that's number nine. Number eight. So, you know when you buy a WWE video game and you create yourself? You all do it. I'm lucky now in that people create me on the 2K games. Um, I'm going to make a point of trying to photograph all my tattoos so someone can create me really accurately for the new one. Um, but when you create yourself on a on a video game, you have to give yourself music. I remember creating myself in video games in the late 90s, early noughties, and I would always give myself this music because it was the music that, that I enjoyed the most at the time. And that's the Dudley Boys. Um, I like the fact it's got the sound of a bottle rocket at the beginning of it. Uh, I like the fact it's got some proper new metal scratching in it. It's a good, it's a good tune. So the original Dudley Boys WWE music for me is my number eight. Number seven, yeah, a classic bit of music in it. Um, it my number seven would be the NWO, the NWO's original uh, music, which I believe is Voodoo, is Voodoo Child, isn't it? By um, by Jimi Hendrix, unless anyone wants to correct me. Um, but just that little guitar riff and the slow down NWO and everyone just automatically you're hearing it and seeing the heat in the arenas when they were super hot when they first started out, I think is is great. And it was such a departure, especially for Hulk Hogan, such a departure for him to have that music rather than um, the music he was using when he was a babyface. So... Um, like straight away, you you hear that NWO music out of context. It does transport you back to a, a time, you know, before the NWO stable had lost its luster and all that. It does tra- transport you back to a, a time where they were the best thing to happen to wrestling for a long time. And I think their music reflected the overall feel of what they were like. So that's number seven. Number six is current music and music I saw being played live uh, by Code Orange in Brooklyn, um, despite the fact Code Orange don't play the original. And that is Alistair Black's music, which I think in two or three years' time, if he's still using this music, will be my favourite music ever. It's it's such a good song. It suits Alistair Black so much. Knowing that he had some involvement in the lyrics and stuff like that is really cool because he's a friend and obviously a friend of the podcast. Um, so that's really cool. Um, Incendiary do a great job on the recorded version of it Um, the lead singer of Incendiary joined Code Orange on stage in Brooklyn which was just a super cool moment Um, Code Orange are a great band Um, and it it was great seeing how well they did in Brooklyn um, to 
to have you know when you have bands sometimes play at WrestleMania and some people enjoy them like when Pitbull and Friends played at WrestleMania this year I'm not fussed about Pitbull and that the guy in front of me lost his mind when Pitbull came out up standing up stand on his chair screaming lost his mind good for you buddy I feel like that about bands like Code Orange. So having Code Orange play at Brooklyn just made it, it, it fit in with how NXT feels. And I thought that was really, really super awesome. But if you don't like Alistair Black's music, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's so good. So in fitting with his character. Just such a great tune. Really, really, really awesome. So Alistair Black at number six. Into our top five. So our top five. Um, number five, going back to ECW again. Um, so his ECW music rather than his WWE music. And that would be uh, Rob Van Dam when he used to come out to Walk by Pantera. Uh, and once again, on that album, the ECW music album, someone correct me, but Pantera, it, Walk was on that, but Pantera didn't do the version of it and it wasn't quite as good. Um, no disrespect to the people who did it, but Walk by Pantera is a tune. Um, and first time I ever bought an ECW video and saw him coming out to that, it was something really, really special about it. And again, everything about that music suited him, suited how he walked to the ring, his attitude, it just worked. And I think that's one heck of a tune. Um, so, um, yeah, um, ECW, once again, it's the last appearance of ECW in this list. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, so that's number five, Rob Van Dam, uh, Walk by Pantera. Number four. Um, number four would be the music of the man who I think, because this is a question I got asked a lot, was, you know, favourite debuts and stuff like that. One of my favourite debuts of all time as well. Um, but is Chris Jericho. Break the walls down, Chris Jericho's music. Uh, I know it's been remixed a few times and all that, but when he first started using it, in, you know, after he's made his debut in what 1999 oh, it's the best what and it stood the test of time he's had the same music forever um, because it's an absolutely brilliant tune and again suited him the countdown clock and everything was just it felt so ahead of its time even though it's just music there was something really super awesome about it so for me yeah I, I love Break the Walls Down um, still love it now uh, have bought it on iTunes. I think that's a sign that you really, really, really love a song is you are willing to buy it on iTunes. Um, I've bought that on iTunes. And I definitely had it on a CD back in the day as well. Definitely had it on a CD. Just, again, raise your hands if you had a Music of WWE CD. I've got my hand up. Or even better, if you've got a CD... I don't have any CDs anymore. I've gone all digital with my music collection. But if you've still got a CD collection on your wall at home, on your shelves, if you've got more than one wrestling theme tune CD, please send me a photograph of how many you've got. I'd love it if someone's got like 10. Let's see who's the winner. Who's got the most wrestling theme tune CDs? Send me a photo at Tuesday night at, at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Jewel. Okay. So that was number four, Chris Jericho. Into my top three. Number three, we go to Ring of Honor. And when I've said that, have a guess who it is. You're probably right. It's a song I am not keen on, but have uh, 
a great memory of. So I've chosen the final countdown by Europe, which was Brian Danielson's Ring of Honor music. And it's a cheesy song. There was something really cool about super serious Brian Danielson coming out to that. Like that in itself is a really cool thing. But on top of that, this was in either Guitar Hero or Rock Band or something like that, where my daughter was maybe six or seven and she loved it and would sing along to it. And it was hilarious and made me like a song that I never previously liked. Then when I became a radio presenter for local radio, um, I used to get given, you get given a playlist on a computer and your show would already be set up with all the music in it. And what I would do every week is I would take out a terrible song um, like... Uh, I'm trying to think. There's some awful things that, that I used to have to play because it was local radio. I take out a terrible song, and I would put in the final countdown by Europe, which was in the system, um, just to pop me and hope that my daughter was listening and pop her. So you know, that's the sort of thing I'd do. But yeah, having someone super serious come out to a song that's you know not my cup of tea, but if you've got a thousand people all singing along to it, it instantly becomes a banger, doesn't it? If you're being honest. Another great example of this, and again, we're not using progress songs, um, would be when Jack Sexsmith used to come out to the Divinals, I uh, Touch Myself. Again, not a song I'm keen on. 700 people singing it is rad as fuck. So, you know. That's number three, Brian Danielson's uh, final countdown. Number two, I think this is an obvious choice because it conjures up the time when I really, really fell head over heels in love with wrestling. And that is Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. Shattered Glass. Da, 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 da. It's dead simple. Not the Disturbed remix, which was rotten. Rotten. I don't mind Disturbed, but rotten. So not the Disturbed remix, which was dreadful, but the original Stone Cold Steve Austin music. Have to add the glass smashing. Do you remember as well, when he first became Stone Cold Steve Austin, and wasn't the ringmaster, and they used to have a sheet of glass in front of the curtain that would smash and he'd come out? That was cool. We need to get that on board at Alexandra Palace this weekend. Not because Steve Austin's there. He's not there. I'll tell you right now. He's not there. <laughs> um, but I do think... I think that's an absolute classic. It was either going to be that or The Rock's music. Both of which I programmed into my Nokia 3210. You know when you couldn't download... When you couldn't download ringtones. Or if you could, they'd only be sort of MIDI files. But when you had a, a tune maker on your phone and you'd put in like numbers and it would become a tune. I did that with both The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. Don't judge me, people. I know what I am. Um, and then finally, we get to my number one choice. Have a little think. We did this with the top ten female wrestlers of all time, which you all reacted really, really well to. Thank you very much, guys, for, for supporting that. But who do you think number one is? Have a little think. Who do you think? Again, no progress. Who do you think number one is? I reckon 50% of you have got this right. I'm I'm comfortable saying that 50% of you have probably got this right. Um, So, the answer is... CM Punk and his Ring of Honor slash WWE comeback music, Cult of Personality. Now, I liked this Fire Burns by Killswitch Engage. um, But the best Killswitch Engage music is, of course, Roderick Strong's music on The Independence. Uh, which is the end of heartache. Um, but I absolutely... I, I loved this song like years ago, and then hearing him use it in Ring of Honor was sweet. But then 
when he came back after leaving with the title after one of my favourite matches of all time to use that music. There was something about him using that music on Raw that just popped the fuck out of me. It was brilliant. Stroke of genius. So, um, yeah, I can't stress this enough. Cult of Personality by Living Colour, CM Punk's WWE and Ring of Honor music is my favourite theme tune of all time. What are yours? Write them on your phone in your notes. Screenshot the notes. Tweet them to me. At Jim Smallman. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, on to the other top 10 list that I was given that I'll run through quickly. It doesn't need to be as long as the rest of the list that I give you normally. But the other top 10 list I'm going to go through concerns uh, the thing I think I got asked nearly as much as top 10 theme tunes. And that is my top 10 wrestling finishers of all time. Now, this is going to be fun for you because I'm going to tell you um, who did... Because I'm aware in some cases, independent wrestling being as it is, I'm going to say some of these moves... And some of these moves, you are you're going to be able to see people use as transition moves now. They're not necessarily finishers. So I'm going to tell you the move, the person I like seeing do it best, and I'm also going to tell you, thanks to Wikipedia, what the move actually is, in case you're struggling to imagine it. What I would say is all of these moves, you can go on YouTube, put it in YouTube, and watch these moves being done. I know this because when I was coming up with this list last night, Sunday evening, I spent an hour watching videos of nothing but finishes which was brilliant for about half an hour and then mind numbing after for the next half an hour because you just become so desensitized to people being dropped on their heads um so yeah these are my top 10 finishes um these are all finishes again going back to when i make myself on video games these are all finishes that my character has done in video games um because they're all rad okay and again i reckon at least 50 percent of you can guess what number one is now. I want to know Matt Richards' top ten list here because it will be hipster as fuck. Um, I did nearly put a couple of Dragon Gate things in it just to pop in, but I haven't. 
Um, again, I've not specifically excluded progress from this, but you'll see it doesn't tend to feature massively in here. Um, but doesn't mean you can't put them in yours. So again, you get involved. Come up with your list, your top 10 finishers. It's a good list to put together. And you realise how many finishing moves there are in wrestling. Compared to how many finishing moves there were in wrestling in 1980, there weren't a lot. Now, how innovative wrestlers are with coming up with stuff is brilliant. And again, um, I know that one thing that's going to come up in this is when we were talking about, especially Japanese women's wrestling in the 90s, a lot of these moves, when I tell you the person that I associate them with the best, doesn't necessarily mean they're the people who invented these moves. So don't feel you need to tweet me and say, but this person didn't invent that move. I know. Um, this is just who I associate it with the best. Okay? Right. Number 10. It's a transition move now. People kick out of it at one, which infuriates me. But for a long time, um, I used to watch a little tiny flash video of this on the Ring of Honor website. Just again and again and again. I get friends around and I go, have you seen this wrestling move? Because it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And number 10, it's P.T. Williams' Canadian Destroyer. Um, we've seen other people do that move now and it's got different names. The Hunter Brothers have done it in progress and it becomes the Tipton Destroyer, which always pops me. Um, but a Canadian Destroyer, which if you don't know, and you should know, you listen to this podcast, is a front flip pile driver. Um, it's a great move. Yes, it's overused in indie wrestling now. Um, I watched Keith Lee take one. At the Progress Show, I think in New York, either New York or Boston, which was ridiculous and popped me. But at the same time, I remember when Peter Williams was doing this move, no one was ever kicking out of it. It was Wrestling Observer Move of the Year every single year for two or three years. Um, yeah, the Canadian Destroyer is brilliant. Anyone who was into wrestling in the sort of early noughties will remember the first time they saw a Canadian Destroyer. And also, every time you'd go to a TNA show and Peter Williams was on it, you'd really, really hope that he'd bust it out. I remember seeing him in a match and he didn't do it. And I was gutted. Absolutely gutted. Um, Honourable mentions, by the way. Bear in mind, the Canadian Destroyer is number 10. The Vertebraker slash Cop Killer, which is Homicide and Shane Helms' move, um, uh, which I believe is a Kudo Driver, I think is the original name for it. Um, that's not in this top 10. And that move is... Absolutely tremendous. Uh, uh, Alistair Black's Black Mass, which I love, is not in this. Um, uh, Misawa slash uh, Chris Hero's Rolling Elbow is not in this list. Just to put that into perspective, they're all they were on the nearlies, and they're all some of my favourite moves ever. I told you this was a hard list to put together, so thank you for all the people who who nominated me for doing this. So that's number ten. Number nine is actually a submission move and it's from someone that we've mentioned before uh, and that's cattle mutilation which uh, was Brian Danielson's finishing move in Ring of Honor before he transitioned to using the label lock slash yes lock in um, and his running knee and everything in WWE um, if you don't know what it is it's a bridging double chicken wing always looks sick as anything when anyone does it um, you can't imagine it's a massively fun move to take Um one of my favourite submission moves uh, of all time, as you'll see. Not actually my favourite, um, but it is a fantastic move. It was either going to be this going in there, or Jinzei Shinzaki used to do like a cross-armed camel clutch, which is a great move, um, which I remember learning to do when I was a kid. Um, I'm looking it up now just to see if it's got a name. I don't even know if it was a finisher. It's just a fantastic move um, that I always really enjoyed seeing. Um, I've just realised I can't spell Jinzei when typing it in. Uh, to the interwebs so um yeah i'm 
I'm a big fan of stuff like that. I think it's... Uh, oh, yeah, he did have it. It's a, a, a Goku Raku Gatame, which is a straight jacket camel clutch. Brilliant. It was a it was his finisher. Um, but I, I love that. But the cattle mutilation just snuck into the top ten here, I think, is a, is a belting move. Someone, someone start using that as a finish, please. Listen to this now. You're an independent wrestler. Start using it. It's brilliant. It's such a good move. Please start using it as a great believable submission move that's number nine number eight is a move that i've now seen done a few times and i pop for it every time i see it and that is jeff cobb's tour of the islands oh what a move um if you don't know what it is it's a reverse spin scoop power slam he basically just spins around a lot and does a power slam but because watching jeff cobb throw people around is one of my favorite things in the world seeing him do this to people is it's such a cool move. It's so cool. It's one of my favourite new moves because you know I'm sure that um, I'm sure that there's 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 people innovating moves all the time, but often the moves that are being innovative are either dives or head drops. And getting something like this, which looks really cool, but I imagine it's pretty safe to take, is is great for the future of wrestling. But again, it just suits Jeff Cobb and it sets him apart because. You feel that only he could do it with the flair that he does it with. So, number eight, Jeff Cobb's Tour of the Islands. Number seven, um, and uh, weird, I read read up on this, um, is a move that was not invented by the man that made it famous. Um, and apparently it was invented by someone he wrestled before he became famous. So number seven is Steve Austin's Stone Cold Stunner. Because again, anyone who was a teenager in the late 90s has pretended to kick someone in the stomach and then tried to stun them. You just have. Again, raise your hands. A lot of hand raising today. So Steve Austin's Stone Cold Stunner is number seven. Uh, if you don't know what a Stone Cold Stunner is, first of all, how are you in any way familiar with wrestling at this point? Um, but a Stone Cold Stunner is a sit-out, three-quarter face-lock jawbreaker. Yes, it is. Thank you very much, Internet. Um, apparently um, invented uh, by Mikey Whipwreck. And he did it to Steve Austin when they were wrestling each other in ECW. Steve Austin asked if he could use it. Michael Whitrex said fine. And that was that. Was that. Um, I have seen Johnny Ace do it in all Japan as well, I'm sure. Um, but just a cool move. Um, you know, believable that that people wouldn't kick out of it. It was one of those moves that's just like Jake Roberts' DDT, which again is not on this list. Just, just that kind of kick, wham, done. Any move like that is... A finishing move should end a match. Um, you can kick out of it occasionally, but it should be just something that is believably the end and signals that it's the end. Um, and that's why the Stone Cold Stunner's always got to be on one of these lists, I think. Number six, we mentioned who invented it on the list last week. Um, but the person who popularised this move for me is Kevin Owens. Especially in his time on the Independence, doesn't do it in WWE now, but it's Kevin Owens' package pile driver, which is just such a sweet move. And I'm aware there's lots of people on the indies who do this move now. Um, uh, you know, I, I know, for example, certainly in the UK, Mike Hitchman uses it. Um, but Kevin Owens' package pile driver is just sweet. Um, uh, and again, believably the end of something. I do love a pile driver, um, uh, regardless of what uh, whoever's doing it. So my, my wife entering the room and flicking the Vs at me. That's a nice way to greet your husband when you've been away at work all day, isn't it? Thanks. Love you too. Um, so, um, so yeah, Kevin Owens' package power driver, I think, is is just 
a great move in terms of power drivers have been around for years. Jerry Lawler's power driver, fantastic. My, uh, most power drivers that were done in in Japan always looked believable and brilliant. There's the amount of people in progress who do fantastic power drivers. Rampage Brown's power driver was always brilliant. Um, Tony Storm's power driver is tremendous. Trent Seven's power driver is brilliant. Tyler Bates Gotch style power driver is brilliant. Um, but my favourite. Um, I think one of my favourite ever power drivers is the package power driver of Kevin Owens. So, <clears throat> there you go. Kevin Owens is number six. Into the top five. We've got another power driver. <clears throat> but, it, it, easily one of the most evil moves of all time. And everyone go to YouTube now and find footage of this man doing this. Um, uh, you, the man in question used this move for five years and then the move was retired presumably because every single person he asked to take this move just went no fucking way am I taking that move it is ridiculous um, and that is Scott Steiner's Steiner screwdriver I know it's only number five um, <laughs> some of you might have thought this was going to be my number one but the Steiner screwdriver if you don't know what this is Scott Steiner big lad always been a big lad picks you up in a delayed vertical suplex and then just pile drives you. Just pile drives you. Um, the, the first time I saw this on video, I popped in the same way that the first time when we had the pre-show match at Progress last week and Mark Davis of Aussie Open does his pull you up straight into a pile driver. It, I, I popped in a similar way to the first time I saw the Steiner screwdriver. I don't think there's anyone using that move at the minute and there's for, for good reason because people would die. Um, but there's a video of him doing it, I think, to Hiroshi Hayes and it's... So cool. Um, so yeah, number five, Steiner screwdriver. So into the uh, the top four. Number four, and we've I think we've told the story a, a bit of a story about this on the podcast previously. So number four is uh, Kazuchika Okada's Rainmaker slash Jimmy Havoc's Acid Rainmaker for the reason I'm going to discuss in a minute. If you don't know what a Rainmaker is, it's a wrist lock transitioned into a short arm lariat. It's a very simple move, but just a move that has weight behind it because of the respect that it's got from Okada using it for years and years and years in great matches in Japan and also the respect it's got in this country because Jimmy in his fantastic heel run used it as his finisher and you know you only see now if he gets someone in uh, if he gets someone in uh, a wrist lock uh, and goes to spin them out into it and shouts Raymaker 700 people shout it it's a move that's super super over and when people can sell it and flip bump off of it, it looks so cool. Um, I think we told this story when Jimmy was on, but I love lariats. I think lariats are brilliant. Like it was very nearly easy for me to put Stan Hansen's lariat in here, or J even JBL's lariat in here. I, I love a lariat. But I think we were at training <clears throat> one day, and Ali Armstrong, sadly retired now, Ali Armstrong was was just taking moves off of Jimmy when Jimmy was head trainer at the at the Projo. And so just taking moves off Jimmy and I was I was shouting stuff out and Jimmy was doing it. I shouted out Rainmaker. Jimmy gave a Rainmaker perfectly first time to Ali who took it perfectly first time. And I remember me and Jimmy going, oh, there's something there. And I think Jimmy decided to use it for his finisher from that point onwards. And it's just a really cool thing that it was a move that I loved and then someone who's a very good friend and a wrestler that I love in this country chose to use it. And made it even cooler by calling it an acid rainmaker, um, which I think was a suggestion from a fan, maybe. Um, I think so. Could be wrong. Jimmy will probably correct me on that. Okay, number three. We're into the top three. What are the three nuts moves that are in here? 
they're all nuts. I don't think you're going to... I think you might guess two of these. You're definitely going to guess one. I don't think you're going to guess... The one that you is. I think is impossible for you to guess. So number three would be... Super Dragon's Psycho Driver. There are four versions of the Psycho Driver. Again, there's a YouTube video you can go and watch. It's Psycho Driver 1, which is an Argentine rack. So that's the person suspended over your shoulders, uh, facing outwards, uh, flipped into a pile driver. It's absolutely evil. You can do it in the WWE 2K games, and believe me, I have. But I love Super Dragon. It's one of my biggest regrets. I've never seen Super Dragon wrestle in person or, or, or met him because he's a dude, obviously runs PWG now. Um, but some of his indie work is is brutal. The best type of brutal. I don't mean brutal as in hard to watch. I mean brutal as in some of the stuff he did was sick. So Super Dragon Psycho Driver has to be in there. All four of them are great, but Psycho Driver 1 is in there. I love it when you've got more than one version of a finisher, by the way. It's brilliant. Especially if you add a year to it. Um, you know, the uh, Misawa's Tiger Driver... Uh, and Tiger Suplex having different versions with year. Um, Junakiyama's uh, Exploder and then the Wrist Clutch Exploder, which was really sick. Again, nearly made this list. Stuff like that is really cool. Having more than one version of a finish is brilliant. Genuinely, do it more. If you're an indie wrestler, do it more. And then tell Glenn how to commentate on it and give it the right names because he loves being given shit like that. Just in general, if you are an indie wrestler, come up with names for your moves and tell commentators it when you turn up for a show because it really helps us get stuff across for you. So number three, Super Dragon Psycho Driver. Number two, what's number two, guys? Can you guess? I bet you can't. It's a submission move for a start. And Cattle Mutilation's already in the list. What is it? Is it the Sharpshooter? Nope. Crossface? Nope. What is it? It's from Mexico as well. I know Matt Richards has got it now. It's La Mystica, which was Mystico. So Mystico was Sin Cara. So before he became Sin Cara, he was Mystico in Mexico, and he was the biggest star in Mexico. Huge box office draw, delivered fantastic matches. Didn't really work out with him in WWE for whatever reason, um, but he was the original Sin Cara, now back in Mexico. Um, La Mystica, if you don't know what it is, is a tilt or head scissors, which is very lucha, transitioned into a single arm DDT, which is a move that I think Shane Douglas used to use. He certainly used it to break one of the pitbulls necks. Um, so transitioned into a single arm DDT, transitioned into a Fujiwara armbar. It's so cool when you see him do it all in that all in that go. It's really really good, and everyone in Mexico knew to tap out to it straight away. It was always really well protected and looked brilliant. Um, so La Mystica would be my number two. Um, go and watch that on YouTube. You will thank me. And then what's number one? Fifty percent of you have guessed this. At least fifty percent of you have guessed this. Number one. Is do, 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 do. Kenta Kabashi's Burning Hammer because it's the best finishing move of all time ever. Because he only ever did it seven times, no one ever kicked out of it. I have seen people do it on the indies and people kicking out of it <laughs> repeatedly since then. That's fine. You should never. No one should ever kick out of it. It's the greatest move ever. But then if you go down that psychology, no one should ever kick out of a pile driver because. You used to get a pile driver, you were dead. You get a pile driver in Mexico when the referee wasn't looking or something like that, especially because it was seen as a naughty move in Mexico. There would be riots. So I suppose we can't protect moves like that anymore. But I love the fact that during Kabashi's career, it was protected. If you don't know what a burning hammer is, it is an inverted wrist clutch Death Valley driver. Normally sits you on the top rope, puts you over his shoulders in Argentine rack, holds onto one of your arms, drops you on your head. It's absolutely evil. No one ever kicked out of it. 
in the seven times he used it. And that's the thing I love about Japanese wrestling. I've got one finisher that can beat regular people. I've got a slightly better finisher if I need to pull something out. Then I've got a super duper mega evil finisher just in case I've got to slay a dragon. And that's my favourite finisher of all time. I fully expect if any of you get involved at Jim Spawn and hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw with your top 10 finisher lists, this will be on a lot of your top 10 finishers because it is the best. But I'm genuinely interested to see what you suggest. Um, and keep it as singles only. There's no tag team finishes on here because I can do that as another list. So there's no 3D on there. There's no um, uh, Ticket to Mayhem, which is Zach Gibson and James Drake's finisher, which I think is really good. There's no Shatter Machine. Um, you know, keep it as singles only. All right? But send me yours. Right, final plugs. If you want to buy merch from this very podcast and help support the podcast, which I would really appreciate, or you want to come to the live podcast next Saturday at noon, the 9th of September in London, then jimsmorman.com slash TNJ for all those links. jimsmorman.com slash TNJ. Rate, review, subscribe. Do all the stuff that you do with this podcast wherever you get your podcast from because it really, really helps me out. Support me later, wrestling company. Progresswrestling.com or demand-progress.com to watch all of our shows. Our shows from New York and Boston that we spoke about on the podcast a few weeks ago, they're now up on Demand Progress, as is our show from last weekend, which sets up everything for Alexandra Palace this weekend. If you're coming to Alexandra Palace on Sunday and you see me and you listen to this podcast, high-five me. That's how it works. Just walk up and high-five me. You don't need to say anything. I'll be knocking around. Just walk up and high-five me, okay? We've got a hell of a show planned on this Sunday. Um, Loads of cool stuff. Um, trust me, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about one thing uh, in particular I get to say in the ring. So, um, yeah, it's going to be great. So do please uh, come and high-five me if you're coming along on Sunday. If you're not coming along, uh, just enjoy watching it on Demand Progress when we put it up. And, of course, final thing, support everything on the Distraction Pieces network. It's a great network. It's growing all the time, more and more listeners all the time, and it's it's super awesome that you guys not just listen to this you might just listen to this and then you might go off and listen to hardcore listing or say why to drugs or stop and search i know you already listen to distraction pieces because it's rad as fuck right but just listen to the other podcasts because we're proud of them we're all friends we all like listening to each other's podcasts so support them everything on the distraction pieces network because that's why this podcast exists right that's it for this miniature episode which still lasted 40 minutes um thank you for your list suggestions send me yours uh, and i'll be back next week either with the live episode, if I can get it quick enough, or with some other cool stuff. So I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.